0: I think the best thing for ultras in our community i think the best thing for all of us and the best thing for tom i think the best thing for people just opening their eyes to what you know is possible is if this race goes a ridiculously long time Mm All right, huge welcome to the Ultra Running Guys community. You got Jeremy Reynolds, Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And tonight we are gonna have a lot of fun. As you see, we've got some extra people with us. It is episode two talking about the Southern Tour Ultra, uh, specifically the last man standing. And so we've kind of got a forum. We've got some of the participants that are gonna be running that race. We're gonna get deep into tactics uh, and some really fun stuff, but we'll go ahead and run through. First, we've got uh, trainer, runner, coach. Uh, pretty much, I think, just a, a tough, tough. Jill of all trades. Yeah. Uh, Malia, uh, how are you doing tonight? Thanks so much for joining.
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Uh, we've also got Tim Hamilton. Just won a 30-hour, really, really tough race earlier this year, uh, trained by Tom, who we saw last week. So he's going to be a heck of a contend- uh, contender. Tim, thanks so much for joining, man. Not a problem, man. Anytime. And then we've got Drew. We've actually talked a lot of, on this podcast about hobble. Oh, yes. We referenced it quite a bit. Drew just ran the, uh, Drew Emily just ran the 12-hour Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Drew, I think out of all of us, probably has the most extensive ultra background. And uh, he's going to be running this race as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's the king of awesome faces. So, Drew, thanks so much for joining.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So for the viewers, before we kind of jump into the discussion, a lot has happened since we talked to Tom Mm, last week, unfortunately, actually, we had a notification uh, made today just for reference, because this is going to be coming out later, it is December 22nd. And since we've talked to him, Southern Tour Ultra, the main event is going to actually be pushed out till April. Luckily for this group here, uh, Last Man Standing is being made into a standalone event. So it changes the dynamic of the race and it also instead of going from a or being a 5.25 mile loop it's actually going to reflect the standard backyard ultra format of 4.167 miles every hour and so if you're familiar with the uh backyard format that's what we're walking into i think that's better i think it's going to be really good Mm -hmm. so the real question is obviously the race that has no end now we're going to start jumping in with you guys why in the world would somebody sign up for a last man standing type race who wants to go first um i I personally i
3: just like uh pushing my body to see where the quit is um you know i've done several uh like endurance rucking events you know done 30 hours and i just want to see like what that breaking point is you know i'm always i'm always looking for that that point where my brain because I know my body will keep going but the point where my brain just finally quits
0: awesome awesome how about you Malia what's the draw
1: I can't really remember when and why I signed up I think I had just come off of like a big race and honestly I think Tom kind of pressured me into it one (laughs) maybe when we were coaching and I kind of felt bad I hadn't signed up yet so I went home and Paid my fee and was like, whatever, let's try this thing out.
0: So what are your thoughts now that you've had some time to think about it?
1: Um, I I don't really know. I don't really know what to expect. I don't really have a game plan. I mean, I kind of do, but I I'm kind of just going into it on a whim, honestly. (laughs) So (laughs) probably not the smartest thing, but it's kind of how I've done a lot of my races. So that's how I'm doing this one. No pressure. Yeah,
0: no, that's great, and then actually, hopefully, we can all walk away learning some stuff from each other as far as some of the tactics and strategy. Yeah. So, so Drew, how about you, man?
2: Man, uh, after following Bigs for several years, I've I've wanted to do one for a long time. Just never really having the time to do it, or and it was just so close to home. I was like, why not? And when I signed up, I was like, oh, I will have t- plenty of time to train for this. I'm just woefully under-trained. Although Nutcracker gave me a little bit of a a boost of confidence, but at least I can go for 12 hours. So maybe we'll make it through the first night.
0: Well, and I'll take a little bit of credit, only because you came over to my house after Hobble, (laughs) and I said you should sign up for Last Man Standing. I think you did as soon as you got home. So Yes,
2: I, I did do that. As soon as you said that, I was like, I'm going to go sign up. You're welcome. <laughs> so so no thanks to you. I'm, I'm signed up now.
4: So so to be clear, though, and everybody who's listening, I'm not running this race at all, uh, which is a good thing for me. Um, but you are. I am. So why did you sign up?
0: Yeah, I think for me, uh, it's similar to kind of what Tim is saying. Um, I know I'm not going to be the fastest person out there. I've, I've run the 100 miles. Um, and so rather than push for speed, I think uh, I'm fascinated by what they're doing at Biggs. I think they're just starting to break into like what the human body is capable of. And the backyard really removes some of the barriers. Eventually it's going to get hard, but having a 14 plus minute pace, it kind of makes everything even. And so I think from a race against myself kind of factor, hopefully it really be about finding
4: a limit there. So so what's interesting about what you're saying and even what what Tim said specifically is <clears throat> The, the funny thing is that you both are kind of saying you want to push yourself to this limit of this breaking point. And to be perfectly fair to whoever wins, the winner of the event will not know that because the winner will not have been pushed to a breaking point. The person who comes in second will have been broken. And so the question for you, Tim, or even Jeremy, is if you win or even Malia or Andrea, if you win this thing, you still don't know what your breaking point is. So if you get through that lap and you're already won, um, will you go an extra lap? If Tom will let me sure.
0: <laughs> uh, something tells me no for me.
1: Yeah the rules say no.
0: If I get to the point I'll look forward to May I'll take it as i I'm doing a big qualifier in May so really this is a setup race for me for that I was supposed to do it last year um, so yeah if I get to the point where nobody else lines up and I can run that lap fantastic but Something tells me I wouldn't do
4: another one voluntarily. It's just one of the fascinating things about the event for me is that, that a lot of people who sign up for this are always saying they just want to see how far they can go and they want to win, right? Obviously you're all trying to win the thing, I assume. And so the winner is the only one who doesn't know how far they can actually go. They just know they outlasted the last person.
3: Well, and, and something I really like about it is once you get down to a handful of people, In order to find out how far you can go, you almost need to push your competitors to continue to go. You know, if I want to hit 200 and we're at 170, I can't do it unless somebody else is with me. So at that point, you're almost encouraging someone that you also want to beat
0: to keep going so you can keep going. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that that's something that's really fascinating about the race is to find out it takes a minimum of Mm 2 Um, and you'll see, you see that at bigs, people walking, talking, helping each other out. Now, eventually I think you listen to the podcast, you know, eventually the mind <laughs> games when the desperation sets in, you know, then you want the other people to quit, right? Cause you want to win. But if you're truly after the limit, yeah, you have to. Um, and that's part of the reason we actually want to do this podcast and say, Hey, let's talk about our own particular strategies because I mean, Tim, you and I have talked about it quite a bit. I think the best thing for this race, the best thing for ultras in our area is if we can really go out and outlast anybody's expectations, which means uh, really helping each other out and making sure that we keep each other in the game. Mm -hmm. I also
2: think that, you know, sometimes you can go into a race like completely trained and ready and then it's just not your day. Mm -hmm. I mean, Uh I've had plenty of those where I was well-trained and just had a complete crap day and, you don't feel good or just something doesn't go right.
0: Well, it's interesting thing about the format is because it's every hour, it takes one bad loop, you know, and and we all run ultras and it can take a blister problem, a stomach problem. Normally you have 20 minutes to stop and address it. You're just not going to in this. So, you know, one bad loop, uh, can be a problem, but so I guess really the follow up question is knowing that it's such a unique (laughs) format what do you guys think it's going to take to win it? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to,
3: with me personally anyways, a lot of it's going to come to nutrition. I have, I have problems staying on top of calories when I'm feeling really good. Um, and that's, that's going to be the big thing for me is, is keeping nutrition in me so that my body can keep going.
4: So let's talk nutrition. I think that's perfect. Well, before you do, I think Malia was about to say something too. Malia, what were you going to say?
1: Oh, you need a good crew.
4: Mm.
1: Yep. you got to have people there that know you and that are going to basically read your mind and that you trust and that are going to feed you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Tim, that's what you need. You need people that are making going to make you eat. Yes. Well, I have people that try to make me eat, but
3: I get cranky also. <laughs> and then I get left alone.
0: all right so drew i'm gonna put you on the spot man have you thought about your nutrition strategy for this thing
2: um i have not um watermelon (laughs) i don't know that that's basically all i ate at nutcracker was watermelon i ate two and a half pounds of watermelon at the nutcracker um don't forget the peanut butter cups and lots of peanut butter cups i did eat probably 12 or 13 peanut butter cups, <laughs> if not more.
4: So, so yeah, sorry to interrupt. So one of the things to think about in my, in my brain is knowing that it's the event itself has changed and it's not gonna be the um, full running festival. It's gonna be a much smaller event. Um, and I, I have no idea what Tom's planning. I, I haven't talked to Tom or anything like that as a race director. I'm assuming that his aid stations are gonna be restructured than what he would typically have had for the full day. So knowing that you could be out there for 24 to 48 hours um, or longer because you're maybe insane, but maybe you're going to be out there that long, right? Having a plan for for that length of time in case the aid station runs out of, you know, too big old watermelons or something, maybe something y'all look like are or, or starting to look at. So, when it comes to thinking 24 to 48 hours, do you have? Uh, and anybody can answer this. Do you have a plan for your nutrition to kind of get you through? Because I think most of us, when when you think about it, like fifty k or fifty mile and stuff, you are doing more carb loading a lot. You know, trying to get your carbs in as fast as possible and stuff. But beyond a twenty four hour window, you've got to get some real food in.
3: I say I, I do uh, gels for the first couple of laps, then I go to baby food and soups. I do uh, ramen noodles, chicken and rice, chicken noodle. And then I just make, I'm gonna make a bunch of just chicken and rice, very plain, something that can go down easy. It's got protein, it's got carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, that that stuff typically works well for me. The soups go down real, real easy. You know, you can heat them up, you can eat them straight out of the can if you're in a hurry. And, mm-hmm. and baby food, because it's less likely to have a bunch of that junk in it that's gonna end up making you sick. Mm-hmm.
0: How about you, Malia? You got a strategy for, or what's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, man, I'm a foodie. So I'm, I'm like an anomaly. I, I don't care what it is. I can eat it and I'm usually pretty good. So um, I like whole foods, even like my gels and stuff. I prefer to go the whole food way um, at the 12 hour. I completely switched it up, used something I'd never used before the whole time, and I was okay with it. But I just, I don't really like enjoy it, so I have to. As long as I'm enjoying whatever I'm eating, I'm cool with it. So pizza, quesadillas, ramen, you know, watermelon, peanut butter and jellies, whatever.
0: Peanut butter and jellies—that's a go-to for me for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: The um, so something I've heard some people talk about on the podcast and things that I'm kind of wrestling with my for myself because the the race format is so unique right we've got a, essentially a four mile loop and eventually whatever break you have is going to be used for rest you know at some point anybody that wants to stand for the long term has to plan for rest and so the things that I'm kind of wrestling through is hey when do I eat do I eat when I get back for the break Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a guy named Dave Proctor. He's done really well in bigs. Mm -hmm. Um, He's talked about a strategy of trying to eat most of his calories, 15 to 20 minutes from coming into the aid station so that he can start digesting, using that time for rest rather than food. So he carries stuff out. And so I'm probably going to be trying to do a similar strategy, um, keep liquid calories on me and then really carry out something like a peanut butter and jelly or fruit that I can pop on the course and hopefully use some of that rest time for either digestion or rest um but we'll see it's not it's not something i've ever like practiced so i'll probably have to try to do some of that stuff ahead of time but i think it's a unique consideration for sure compared to like oh i just have to get to 50k 50 mile 100 mile mark it like you said it's could be days
4: yeah so so food options are obviously um Personal, personal and their preferential, right? Because everybody has their own thing that their gut tolerates and even what they prefer to, to use. Um, I mean, I, I do things like applesauce and so I get the watermelon deal, trust me. I'm big on that kind of stuff. And so um, instead of, of just even food itself, is there a, s- a certain number of calories you're looking to get in a given hour since it's an hour loop?
1: So yeah, so I shoot for like probably around 300 calories an hour. Um, But I do want to say something about food and how um, I got used to like eating on the run. I literally wake up, so I've got two kids. So like my mornings are kind of crazy. So when I wake up, I make them food and get them all ready and get them started in school and babysitter comes and I literally like make my breakfast and my first like mile and a half is like eating my breakfast. And, um, And just due to time constraints, that's what I had been doing. I've been doing this probably about six months now Um, you know, because the kids are stuck at home and I can't get rid of them. And so I don't have time. And uh, it has significantly upped my game during ultras while having to eat. And um, so, I mean, I know we're a few weeks out, but if you guys are wondering how you get used to eating on the run, that's how you do it.
0: I may have to try that. Just, I mean, I've done it walking, you Mm -hmm. know, but I haven't haven't done a whole lot of running and eating.
1: Uh, I mean, now let's be serious you run like a 750 easily and my pace is more like a 10:30. so well if we'll see a 750 i won't be able to eat on the run either
4: so. yeah like when i'm doing a 10 minute pace like that too i'm definitely i'm able to eat while i'm running yeah but unless it's peanut butter and the bread gets sucked <laughs> in my lungs and i'm about choked to death <laughs> it has happened
0: that's awesome <laughs> but so that brings up a great point and i think we can Unless any, does anybody else have any other comments, questions around nutrition specifically? I think it sounds like we'll probably be figuring it out, um, but anything you want to share in terms of tactics?
1: Well, I kind of had the same tactic that you were talking about, like eating while you're in your last, you know, 15 minutes, try to finish within 10 minutes of coming into the aid station so that while you're sitting there, you're digesting instead of using that time to eat, you can use the time to address other issues. I think that's a really, really smart strategy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, especially when it gets later and sleep becomes that much more vital. I think trying to jam, you know, calories down my throat and then lay down or close my eyes for a few minutes is going to be, it just won't work. So mm-hmm. I think if I can get some pre-digestion going, at least for me, you know, that'll be the plan. Now, Shannon thinks I won't wake up, but we'll see.
4: <laughs> Are you going to take a nap? Uh Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about that too. Um, Uh, Are y'all, are y'all planning on taking a nap?
3: Yes. My, my, my (laughs) goal is to actually try to take naps during the day and not at night, because Mm -hmm. like he just said, I think at nighttime, I'm less likely to wake up. So my goal is to try to stay awake
0: during the night and then hit the naps during the day. So I'm curious with that, are you going to try to shift your, sleep schedule before the race uh no um i think i think
3: after that first night you know if i push through i'll be tired enough by you know noon the next day that i don't think it's going to be a problem closing my eyes for six minutes at a time um and then you know setting an alarm or having somebody
0: with a taser to zap me get me (laughs) (laughs) moving And so, actually, you bring up something. I want to make sure everybody that's listening. You know, we, we referenced it with Tom, but this race, uh, unless he changes it again, um, but this race is scheduled to start at seven p.m. on a Friday night. Um, so, where a lot of them, you're you're walking in, hopefully fresh. You know, for like an eight a.m. start for a backyard, uh, it's going to be interesting to go straight in to the night. Mm-hmm. The other discussion originally with the main event was that, you know, if we could make it through the first night, we would have the energy of the 50k, 50 mile events. Um, Now that's not going to be a factor. So I know personally from a rest standpoint, I guess we can kind of move into that. It's a concern for me of whether I'll be able to take a nap, get some kind of rest going into a Friday night, or am I essentially going to be awake for 24 hours when the sun comes up and then you know, try to power through or do what you're doing, taking naps during the day. Um, how about Malia, Drew? Have you thought much about rest or sleep or strategy there?
2: I, for one, have just, my my first concern is making it through the first night. I haven't thought anything about sleep yet. Uh, I just want to make it through the first night and then I'll figure that out as it goes. <laughs> um
1: Um, I've actually done a few night events so um, I feel pretty confident and comfortable with them and I've done a few like sleep deprived like flying overseas then having to race um, sort of thing where I haven't slept for a couple of days and maybe I didn't perform great but I know that I'm still capable of doing it and I actually like the idea of starting at night because I sometimes feel like that night before you don't really sleep anyways so you're waking up at three four o'clock in the morning and you're getting there sleep deprived without having been able to you know take a nap the day before and you probably were a little sleep deprived from the night before that so you might as well get it started and get it over with right that's
4: true this guy never sleeps i never sleep, I never sleep. I never sleep the night before race at all yeah. that's a really good point <laughs> i'm not that's signing cool. up but that's a really good point
1: how sleepy do you get like if you're starting at 6 a.m <laughs> And then by midnight, one o'clock in the morning, you're still racing going into that first night and how tired you're going to be. Well, coming into the light, so you race for, you know, it's going to be about probably 12 hours of darkness we'll have. And so that next morning as that sun comes up, it does help kind of perk you up a little bit for that next, you know, 12 hours, however long you can go. Now that second night will get a little little hard, but I don't think it, I don't think the first night's going to be hard at all.
2: I, agree. I personally think that even even going into the second night after knowing how I felt after a lot of 100 milers or 50 milers just the pain my body's in I can't really sleep anyway like I just kind of lay there so I don't think there's going to be much actual sleeping as it is just resting your body
4: that's what i was going to ask so you don't so drew and malia you don't see yourselves actually taking a nap like these other two people
1: i'm I'm not a napper or much of a sleeper anyways so um i'm not sure
0: yeah i I mean typically i'm not either i just think from a human performance standpoint you know and it's it's one thing for like a hundred miler to know hey 30 hours if i can make it past this but when you don't know how long it's going to go, you know, we'll see with our group. I, I think that there's going to be some really capable people. When you talk about bigs and you're going three days, like they're starting to get that stuff down to a science and you have to plan on sleeping or you're just going to get left behind. Your body will tell you no. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. So I think that that's part of the strategy. And, and I think it's probably one of the things if you get behind it's, you know, it's too, it's going to be hard to catch up on. So me personally, I'm hoping that I can go in and start front loading that first night with some rest. Um, We'll see how it goes. It'll probably be too much energy. You know, I'll probably do the same thing like drew talked about and just lay there. But uh, I think anybody that can get rest that first night is going to have a a edge up if they got the fitness to back it up.
1: I don't think I can run fast enough to get any rest. So
0: well, we're talking 14, you know, it's a 14 plus minute loop is the requirement. So, I mean, it, it, you well, know, most of the time it's not coming in and getting 20 minutes of sleep. It's literally two to three to four minutes.
2: If I remember correctly at this past race, you had 40 minutes and ran four miles. So
1: 50 miles though, not a not 36 hours.
2: <laughs> After the first 12 hours, you'll have plenty of, of a 40 minute lap. Shouldn't be too difficult. <laughs>
0: true so i think that moves into the next discussion (laughs) so so let's talk pacing right because uh, i think it's going to be super interesting there's going to be so many people that haven't done it all of us i think the majority of the field and i think we're going to see people that um take a strategy of run it as fast as you can to get as much rest and food i think there's going to be people that say hey slow roll it and try to keep moving especially if it's cold Mm -hmm. have you guys thought about kind of you know from lap one what does your race look like in terms of pacing?
1: I'd like to come in with averaging around five or six minutes per loop to chill out and get done what I need to get done for, and hold on to that for as long as possible. That's my game plan.
2: I'm gonna shoot for 12 minutes a mile.
3: So my goal is the first uh probably the first six hours I'm just going to run at whatever pace I feel good. That's what I typically do in any event. You know, I'll do the first 25, 30 miles, just feel good. Don't push hard, but I won't hold back. And that'll give me a little more time to kind of get ahead on calories before I start getting tired and I got to worry about, you know, stomach problems and whatever. And then once I get through those first six hours, then I'll scale back and I'll probably move into a run walk and get closer to an 11 or a 12 minute mile.
0: So when you say catch up on calories, because you plan on taking the calories during the break?
3: Well, because I'm, I'm going off of my race history of once I get to a point, I have trouble taking the, you know, like 300 calories an hour. Once I get to a point, I have trouble doing that. And like that 30 hour race, I went ahead and ate, you know, 450 calories an hour at the beginning of the race, when I ended up getting sick in the middle of the night, I really think I went like 12 hours without eating anything. And I really think eating all of that stuff early helped me. I mean, I don't know that it did, but I mean, I went 12 hours with basically water and a little bit of fruit in that because I couldn't hold anything down. Um, So that's the strategy I'm
4: gonna go with. Okay, what about you? Yeah, for me, um,
0: I mean, as an aside, I 100%, I, I plan to front load calories as much as I can, especially if the temperatures are cold. Um, but as far as pacing goes, uh, I'm probably kind of in line with Drew. Um, you know, uh, or I mean, I guess where Malia is too, I, I'm probably eight to 10 minutes is what I'd like to schedule to get back with. So I'll probably want run walk from the beginning um, just to try to keep that type of pacing. Um, just because I know that, for me, once you start to get lactic acid buildup, if I push it all too early, you know, then it's probably the beginning of the end. So walk, run, try to keep about a 10 minutes. To me, one of the big factors is temperature. Uh, if it's freezing out, I may try to shorten the window and actually go a little bit slower so that I don't feel like I have to slow
4: down and cool down as much in between unless I'm trying to intentionally sleep. You bring up a good point, though. So um, we don't know what the weather is going to be like, but it is going to be January. It is eastern North Carolina, so it may be warm. We really don't know. But it could also be pretty cold and rainy. Um, Any concerns about the weather for anybody? Uh, Cold
3: rain will be, other than that, Matt. Uh, (laughs) Snow would be fine with me. (laughs) 30-day forecast is looking
2: like we're going to have cold rain at night. It's still pretty far out, but... I've, that really boosts morale
1: it could also end up being 80 and 80 percent humidity that day too so you know don't throw all your stones in one bucket
0: don't hands down i'll take cold over hot any day but the cold yeah. still scares <laughs> me a little bit
1: exactly <laughs> i'll
0: be honest after walking with tracy so i went out and walked mm-hmm. and tracy McCullen just ran 100 miles backwards he was uh on the podcast not too long ago Um, but walked with them in the rain, which was fine. And then I stopped, Malia was there. I stopped for like 45 minutes while he did a loop and I was freaking freezing afterwards and I couldn't warm up. Um, So knowing that this is a start stop race, that's probably my bigger concern about the cold is just not being able to warm back up.
4: Let it be known I did go longer than you did during that day. He did, (laughs) Jeff did log more miles with Tracy than I did. It's a so, little victories. It, that's all I get, man. Trust me. I'm <laughs> slow and old.
1: I'll tell you, I'm a little sore from running backwards with Tracy for just that short, like, five minutes. I think I, like, pulled a muscle in my quad or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you looked pretty natural, though. I mean, you made it look pretty easy.
1: It was not. I don't know how he did 100.
4: Ah, it's incredible. But, all right, so... so- yeah, I was going to say, so we think there's one more area. Obviously, we've talked about nutrition. We've talked about pacing. We've talked about rest. Um, and, and so those are critical areas. And, and a lot of the reasons people end up DNF and typical ultras and stuff is because of one of those categories uh, a lot of times. The other big area that we haven't talked about yet is, is mindset. And um, the, the way I want to get into that topic a little bit is, um, and, I, and I think, Malia, you kind of touched on it early, early on in the conversation, um, and it's about your crew. And so the way I like to talk about, um, anybody when it comes to to their mindset is that I ask it this way, if I'm going to crew you, if, if you've decided you're going to ask me to be your crew person, I'm sitting over there on this field and you're about to do your lap and you're going to come through, I want to know from you, what is it that I need to say to you to get you to go out for that next lap? Yeah. So for me, like personally,
0: my whole goal is to not die in the chair is to, you know, not refuse to start a lap, which sounds super easy, but it's probably the equivalent of saying there's, I'll just never DNF, I'll just never quit. And then people DNF all the time. Um, For me personally, my input to my wife is going to be, it's all about my daughter. I do not want her to see me quit or hear about me quitting only because uh, she tries hard at a lot of things and her and I connect in, in that way and drew when i was at your race that was a part of the reason i kept yeah. moving through the rain um he was
2: like a want her to see me quit anything i'm like dude you've already won the race <laughs> like, you're you're like 16 miles ahead of everybody and everybody's already dropped
0: <laughs> and so for me that's going to be that's going to be the gut punch because i'll talk myself out of pushing on for myself you know at some point those goals just become not important but uh that kind of will be my why, and hopefully uh, something that will continue to get me to get out of the
4: chair when, when I'm struggling. And so if, if he if he is one of the first of you guys to fall out, and I've switched to one of you to crew you because I'm now over to y'all, uh, what would I say to you? Um, I'm, I'm pretty
3: self-motivated as far as getting back up. Um, again, my, my, my wife does 99.9% of my crewing with my daughter. My daughter's actually not and is a really good crew person. Um, but, you know, basically they've just got to, you know, tell me, hey, you've got you've got three minutes. you got to get up. you got to get your pack on. You know, get your shoes tied. Get your pack on. Get this done. Get this done. And you need to get moving. And that will usually snap me into it. And I'll get up. And, you know, at that point it just becomes, you know, repetition get up, shoes tied, pack on, water in, start line. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of just need that, you know, you have this long, you need to get moving and that'll kind of snap me back into it. And it may also be the way may my wife says it to me, that might.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's real sweet. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> good answer, good answer. How about you, Malia?
1: Um, I myself am pretty motivated to, you know, I dive in and give it everything that I have. But recently I have really been doing the hard work for a friend of mine who has been living with cancer for a couple of years. She's actually my teammate. She's somebody um, that she's a uh, visually impaired athlete that I've raced with for about six, seven years now. And um, she kind of taught me like or the the atmosphere she brought me into was around a bunch of people that had these horrible, I don't want to say horrible, that had these mishaps and overcame them and were still showing up for races and putting in the training. And I was able to witness it. And I was like, man, like I'm totally capable. I, there's nothing wrong with me. I can do this all on my own. Why would you ever like go into an event and not give it all, and not continue and not give up. And she kind of like instilled that in me. And so now when I race, like every time I'm hurting, every time I want to stop, I'm like, would Diane stop? What would Diane say to me? You know, what would, you know, would she quit this? You know, So knowing that she's like gonna be checking up on me and making sure that I'm putting everything into it. I think that that's gonna like keep me taking one more step and do one more lap and one more lap and one more lap. So,
2: very cool. All right, Drew, what you got? <laughs> I really don't know. Most of the time, it's just uh, just motivate myself, really. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I'll, I'll stop when I'm, I'm done most of the time.
0: Well, so I'm <laughs> so, interested. I, I went through and looked at your ultra signed up uh, results, man, and you've got a lot of stuff in there. We were talking before. I think at least at the group on this call, you probably spent the most time in the pain cave, I would imagine, out of any of us, uh, you know, and, and that may just be an assumption, but what do you specifically, like when you've struggled in the past or, you know, in this race, is there anything you tell yourself specifically? Do you, do you have a, a process for walking through that?
2: I don't know. I've, I've DNF'd 300 mile races, so... I guess sometimes you're just like, uh, I'm I'm not feeling this and just stop. But I think other times, like, you know, you've got, you know, you only have so much more to go and you can just keep pushing forward. But as far as having somebody tell me something to get me to keep going, I couldn't tell you.
0: That's going to be the tricky part about this race is you just don't know how much more you have to go when things get really hard, especially if you look over and and Tim and Malia look like they're ready to go for another day and a half, you know, (laughs) that's going to be a hard
4: pill to swallow when we're suffering, but okay. Any, any other questions on mindset? No, I mean, I think it's, um, I think it's interesting kind of where everybody's coming from with that. What, um, when you look at your race history, because we did ask you before, uh, we emailed you and some questions and kind of learned about your your own past race histories and and drew we kind of stalked you on ultra sign up again like like jeremy said um but when we looked at your races you've all had a huge resume uh, of different things you've done and and they're all slightly different like you've done different types of things um i know that you know malia you've done a full Ironman, man right um and so and and a lot of mountain stuff and a lot of mountain races right and, and then, Tim, you've done these endurance races too that have lasted 30 hours as well, um, where similar type of a, a stranded type of environment and things that you've done that are more Spartan, I guess, related. OCR tag. Yep. And then, um, and then, Drew, like he just mentioned, all of your history as well, um, all the way back since 2012 on sign Up. And so, um, you all have a lot of things that you've brought, and they, and they are all different. And then you have your own history too, not quite as extensive as theirs. But you're, about, you're one of the hosts, so you're kind of cool in that regard. <laughs> but regardless, um, when you look at, at, at yourself and the, your past races and, and your own personal experiences, what maybe there was a defining race, defining moment in a race or something that says, you know, that has defined who you are and, and something you've learned. But what strength do you believe personally you bring to the table um, that, that you say, this is what I bring and this is what I know about myself um, when it comes to doing something like this?
3: Um, I mean, I've personally found out specifically during, you know, the stranded events, cause I'm, I'm not a rucker, you know, and those things you have a 60 pound pack the entire time and you're doing OCR military style stuff. You're doing team stuff you're doing. And there have been people that I know that, you know, that's all they do is, you know, go rucks and this and that and the other, and I should have been beaten every single time. And it's just, at some point I just turn my brain off in terms of the pain. Like I've had it to where I felt like my shoulders were toast for days and and I don't know, just for some reason I can turn that part off and not focus on the pain and focus on anything else. And like uh, running whenever I get into that, I, I tend to focus on music. You know, I'll, I'll put on, I'll pop in some music. Take my phone with me when I'm really hurting, and I'll just listen to music. I got a couple of, you know, a couple of bands I really like. Uh, there's a motivational speaker. His name's Coach Payne. He's got some really good stuff, and I'll just, I'll just tune everything out and I'll pay attention to that, and that tends to get me through the rough, rough patches.
0: Awesome. You? Uh, me? Uh, I think stuff that. To- it's really helped me out in the past is I tend to be the smiley, positive, like I think attitude has really helped me out. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, I've gotten to a couple of times where that kind of went out the window and, and I suffered a little bit, but I think personally, uh, as long as the body holds up, I'll do well because of attitude. And then similar to what Tim's is talking about, just having a couple specifics, the Yeti 100. Uh, I suffered a lot at the end of that race, which, Obviously I could have done things a little bit smarter, ended up with, with uh, you know, rhabdo and kidney failure and some other things, but prove to myself that I, I can hurt a lot and I can keep moving um, and kind of push through that. So I think just having the experience of going, I've done it before, I can continue mm-hmm. to move forward. But for me personally, if I can maintain the positivity, I think it'll help me continue mm-hmm. uh,
2: to move forward for a while. Drew? I think I like you that uh, there was one 24 hour race where was not taken in near enough water and six hours in pee and blood and that sucks (laughs) really bad (laughs) Ending up in the hospital and stuff it's not fun I don't think mine was near as severe as yours with the amount of time you were in the hospital Um, but it probably sucked every bit as much but I think there was there was a big learning curve there that uh, I think reading about it helped a little bit, but I think actually having to figure it out and learning it on my own that you've really got to kind of take those things into consideration, um, regardless of how many races you've ran. Um, it can happen anytime if you just you know, you get tired in the middle of the night and you just quit dr- eating or taking fluids in, like, you could seriously injure yourself pretty quickly um, if you're not paying attention or have somebody there to help you with it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to jump in, man. I, from the outside looking in, one of the things I think you really have going for you is the experience and seeing you at the 12-hour Nutcracker. I know from talking, obviously, you've you've done a ton of stuff in the past, but walking into that race, you you really had done very little training in the months prior. Dude, every time yeah. I turned around, you were right there looking happy, looking good. And so to me, to be able to walk in on very little training and run 50 plus miles at a great time. Like, I think you've got a lot of experience to lean on if, uh, and, and so I think that's going to be a huge strength of yours personally.
2: And a lot of stubbornness, <laughs> a whole lot of stubbornness. I mean, cause realistically in the past i want to say eight weeks to eight to ten weeks i've ran maybe 10 miles a week on average um and uh, some of that's probably stupidity as well of going into these long races with no no training whatsoever really um uh, uh, running's like my first love like um i was good at it when i was younger and then drinking and drugs kind of took over my life when as a teenager, and then I didn't run again until I was like 24, 25 and got sober. So it's, you know, it's finding your first love again, I guess you could say.
0: I think it's cool, man, very cool. Right.
4: Malia?
1: Um, You know, I'm not sure I've ever done a race comparable to what we're about to do. Um, maybe the closest thing is Southern Tour, the 50K because it's loops. Um, I'm not a loop person. Most of the stuff, like you said, is I look for treacherous climbs with beautiful views and bombing downhills. Um, But I guess what I kind of have going for me is I have been in a lot of high pressure events. So I'm really good with problem solving and dealing with high pressure and, and having to make quick decisions and choices and doing it and not necessarily having a good crew is great, but being able to do it on my own as well. And I'm hoping that that will carry on for the last man standing as well.
4: That's good. I mean, everybody, everybody has like a different answer, different strength that they bring to the table.
0: Yeah. I So I, I talked on Drew for a minute, you know, Malia, personally, I think at least out of this group, and I don't, I haven't seen the whole field. I think you're probably the most well-rounded i think that you bring a lot of expertise i went and looked at your instagram and some of the stuff that you're doing the world i should be doing that right core and i think you know from that standpoint from a cross training just from an all-around athlete i think you're an athlete and so done a lot of stuff (laughs) i think it's going to serve you so well so i mean even though you haven't done the really really long yet I don't think that's going to hold you back one bit. Yeah, I think <laughs> she's going to smoke you, fellas. To be quite with you. <laughs> it's going to be tough. I, I definitely think. I Honestly, I think everybody on yeah. the call is a contender. Uh, that's not to say that we think that somebody on this call, you know,
4: is destined to win because I think it's going to be a, a really good field. Well, it's like Drew said at the beginning, you never know what could knock you out. And you could be completely prepared for the race. And you could, I mean, all four, you could be the first four out. Yeah. And I'll be laughing and moving to a different person, a crew. I won't be laughing. Well, I will. i
2: there's a couple people I've looked at who are uh, planning to come run. I, I don't know if y'all have ultra sign-up stalked or uh, if you know them personally, but um, there's a couple people on there that look like could be some pretty good contenders.
0: I think there's going to be a lot of really good energy to feed off of, and I, again, hopefully this is the kind of event where we can all learn from each other Uh For me, the biggest takeaway will be walking out of this, hopefully a better, stronger runner to walk into that backyard in in May. Um, But Obviously, I still would like to do
4: really well, you know, in the event with all you guys. So I know we're about to wrap up and everything, but um, one of the things just to kind of keep in mind, I I really am grateful just for all four of you kind of sharing your thoughts on on the ultra and on the last man standing. There is, like we said earlier, Well, actually, before we started recording, I guess, there's not a lot of information out there for folks. And so there are going to be people who are listening to this, which is really cool for them to kind of hear. But for you personally, um, you four may not win. Right. But you may. One of you may, which is cool just as well. Um, But I think it's good for you to kind of talk about this and to kind of know kind of where you're going to go, because you can't do this by yourself, Um, even though it's a last minute standing, it's going to require not you necessarily working together, but really understanding that you are all in this together. Um, And so like, yeah, if you see that, you know, Tim's over there and he's not eating or whatever, and you're thinking, dude, did you at least get something to eat over there? And if not, ask Drew, because he will give you some watermelon and, you know, whatever it is you need to do that to kind of keep up with one another, you know, and then uh, don't be upset when you see Malia, like, smoke by you and stuff. Sable Jeff said she's going to do that. But, but, Honestly, it's how you work together and are kind of supportive of the fact that you're challenging yourself personally, but I think that you're, you're really in it together. You are competing, but you're also not, you're competing really against yourself. So I think it's a really cool thing. Um, And there are others that that I think will be out there pushing you as well.
0: Yeah. You, you guys have my commitment. Like I said, at the beginning, I think the best thing for ultras in our community, I think the best thing for all of us and the best thing for Tom, I think the best thing for people just opening their eyes to what you know, is possible is if this race goes a ridiculously long time, mm-hmm.
1: um,
0: which means we've got to suffer keep each other in the game uh, as long as, you know, anybody else. So that's my personal strategy. Uh, like I said, and, and, you know, Hey, if it's me and one of you at the end and I get super desperate, maybe I'll start the mind games, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's gone long enough that I'll be like, okay, all the boxes are checked. Now I just need somebody to drop. <laughs> And I'll by just, that
2: point, the mind games may not even do anything yeah. anyway. <laughs> I'll just tell them what to
4: do to kind of rattle you and then we, we're That's done. true. That's true. <laughs> well, guys, we want to thank you so, so
0: much for spending the evening with us. I think that this is, you know, super helpful to I know, like I said, a couple people in mine in mm-hmm. particular that would be like, dude, go watch this because I want you to hear uh, you know what these people are thinking in terms of the race. So thank you so much for spending the time with us, uh, to all the ultra running guys community. Uh, we really, really appreciate the continued support. Go make sure you have subscribed to YouTube, go make sure you are following us on the podcast and, uh, guys, we'll talk soon. I'm so looking forward to this race. (laughs) I'm so glad it didn't get pushed and, uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you guys so much. Thanks.
2: Will they be giving belt buckles for 50 miles? Or is it- <laughs> yeah. <a little> <laughs> um, and
0: Tim, you got to catch, catch up, bro.
3: My, my original goal was to try to get Tom to quit.
0: Yeah. So bottom line is just have some grace with us. We'll, at, at the end, it should all turn out great. Is, yeah. is Tim joining? He's on. Can you see it's him or it, What's I can't here? see Tim. So hopefully that won't happen,
4: but we'll see. Yeah, I just want to see how it ends. So, Malia, seriously, you should sprint the first lap.
0: You're telling me not to say dumb things. I'm trying to give y'all a chance. I'm trying to
4: give y'all a
3: chance to win. I've got no runs tomorrow. You can take as long as you want.
0: We're, uh... Like always. We're chasing our tails right now. Look how patient Malia is. I know. Malia's like, these guys can't pull their stuff together. But still
3: every single race that goes wrong, I can look back and I'd be like, oh yeah, I didn't eat here and I didn't here and I didn't here. You'd think I would learn by now.
4: You will learn.
1: Yeah, man, you're gonna have to go with like a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I mean, think of everything and then plan for that thing and then that thing and then that thing.